welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. Father, we thank you so much. Go ahead and lift up your offering and lift up your hand. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to sow into your plan for our lives, Father, to be obedient to what you've asked us to do. Father, as we sow these seeds, as we release these things, Father, we ask that it be spent and used precisely how you want it to be used, that it would, it would be the most beneficial, Father. And Lord, as the overshepherd of this house, I pray a blessing on those that are giving into this place, that they, that they would receive uh, what in like kind what they have given, Father, so they can continue to be obedient to what they've asked the, to what you have asked them to do. And I thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Excuse my, uh, my raspy tone this morning. I was doing a little construction yesterday, and I think I inhaled about four pounds of sawdust. So <clears throat> you get a little raspy version of Micah. I'm not trying to be cool. Just got sawdust in there. Like, I really have to try. Anyways, sorry. All right, so we've been talking about a series called The Call uh, over the last three weeks or so. Has anyone been able to hear that? Have you guys been enjoying that? It's been, uh, it's been a delight to dive into these things deeper. And uh, I'll recap a little bit. So God had me start this series, I want to say three or four weeks ago, called The Call. And he had me break it down into three parts. Part number one was your relationship. And, and, and this, this, this message is based around the call that God has on your life. And that call doesn't exactly mean full-time ministry. That call can mean being a school teacher, being a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse or a scientist or one who is a weather person or a dermatologist. I don't know where I'm coming from. It's just what I'm saying is God has a plan for your life. And that's what I'm calling the call. And in that plan, the Lord gave me three points of what is what one of the things to look out for, one of the things to develop in, if you want to fulfill the call that God has on your life. Does that sound interesting to anyone? Do you want to fulfill the call that God has, whether it's being a mother or a father or a sister or a brother or an aunt? Or, I don't know. So one of the, the first point that I gave was relationship. In order for you to walk in the call that God has for your life, you have to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not enough to know about who God is. You must know him on a personal and intimate level. What I mean by that is a lot of people know the president of the United States, but you don't know the president of the United States. Does that make sense? When it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to know him the same way that Adam knew Eve. Right when it says Adam went in and or Abraham went in and knew his wife, um, intimacy is an important thing. It's the same. The same word "know" is the same one that depicts intimacy. I'm not trying to get weird on you, but it's the Bible. You understand? Okay. What I'm saying is God desires a close intimacy that that you don't have with anyone else. That's why He says you must l- hate your mother and your brother and your sister and your father compared to Me. You must love them less. He, he sent his son to die on the cross for you, not because he hated your sin, 
but because he loved you and desired a personal relationship with you and sin was what was getting in the way. That we would have direct access through the Holy Spirit to sit in the throne room with the Father as we rest here on earth. That he would be one who sticks closer than a brother. He would be a confidant. He'd be a best friend, a brother, one that you can put your shoulder on, one that you can rely on, that you can talk about the football game with or talk about evangelizing with. Relationship is the cornerstone to, to anyone trying to fulfill the call that God has in life. How, why? Because outside of that, you're useless and you're powerless. Now, you can know about Jesus and you can endeavor to do what the Bible says, but how do you know where to go? How do you know when to go? How do you know what to do when you get there? Are you supposed to bring a team? Are you supposed to be by yourself? Do you think you should be married first? Should you raise kids first and get a family done? Are you supposed to have kids at all? Should you drive, fly, take a boat or a train? How do you know? You have to be in relationship with Jesus. You have to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit because who has the plan for your life? Who does? He does. How do we get access to that plan? By being in Him. By being in Him. In the year 2020, I, almost for the entire year, I talked about this. I think I probably talked almost eight months about relationship. Almost consistently. Because it's such a key foundation to any... It, it, you can't get any farther in the gospel without it. If you don't have relationship, you know what you have? Religion. That's, that's, what, that's what relationship is reduced to your understanding and your ability to fulfill it. It's religion. If you, get, if, you, if you skip past the relationship portion, all you're doing is the same things that the people who killed Jesus did. You're just getting into religion. And it can get you some places, but it won't help you to fulfill the call that God has to the max capacity. Does that make sense? Relationship is the cornerstone. If you're endeavoring to hear, to know, to walk in, to get closer to the call that God has for your life, it rests in relationship. Be born again and filled with the Spirit in relationship with Jesus. That's where we're supposed to live. That's point number one. And we've spent the last three weeks or so talking about that. If you, if you missed it, the great news is it's on the podcast. Have we started putting this one up yet? Oh, perfect. We're already on part five? Man, that's awesome. I, we talked more on this than I thought we did. So we, the, this is all on, all on, our, our, uh, on Spotify, or you can go back on YouTube or on Facebook and watch it as well. This, this, the point number two that I want to get into, I, wanna, I, wanna not, I don't know that I could ever be done talking about relationship. It is, it, if I were to have a subject that I'm most passionate about in the, in the Bible, it's relationship because it changed my life. It absolutely transformed me who I am. And I won't go into any of that because we don't have time. And you might say, oh, Micah, well, go back and listen to the teachings. I already talked about it. What I want to move into today is point number two, which is assignment. Point number one was relationship. Point number two is assignment. Walk in the space or the place God has called you. Sometimes this can be a job in the world or it can be a vocational ministry or full-time ministry. <clears throat> this is so big. It's going to so much. It's, it'll be more weeks on this one, but we're going we're gonna to be diligent. You guys are relying on the Lord, right? Yes. You want to hear from him this morning? Okay, so do I. God has a place for you, and ministry, ministry isn't always just a pulpit. Would we agree on that? Where does ministry happen? I hear a lot of mumbling. Let's try that again. Where does it happen? Someone say something. At home it can happen, absolutely. Anywhere else? Wherever you're at. Wherever you're at. Yep, out in the street, sure. Anyone else? 
A movie theater? At work? Yes. The point is, ministry happens wherever you are. I like the example of being at home because as a... Are you a mother? Yeah. yeah. You, oh, yeah, perfect. So you have a, you have a ministry to raise your kids. That's, that's, moms are powerful ministers. They're supposed to be. Right? Grandma's the same thing too. I heard you, Missy. I'm not trying to leave you. You were a mom too. Okay, calm down. <laughs> She's like, you better say grandma. I'm God, God has a place that he's called you to. Amen? And it's not, it doesn't mean it's supposed to be Ben Pace Ministries. It may be that one day, but right now, Ben works for someone doing screen printing on t-shirts. Is he supposed to be there? Yes. I would agree. I, I know him to know he knows how to hear from God. Have you been able to minister to people and love on people in that place? Yes. Absolutely he has. So ministry happens where God calls you. Sometimes we have this mentality that ministry happens one day when I'm qualified enough, when I've had enough teaching. Now, I understand that there is an aspect of being taught the right way, of being in ministry, learning practical and spiritual applications on how to do things. I don't disagree with that. But what the devil likes to do is he likes to convince us that we're not ready. He likes to say, well, you haven't read the Bible enough times, or, and he'll, he'll help you compare yourself to other people. You know, Ben prays on his knees for two hours every day. How much do you pray? Well, only 10 minutes? Well, you know, that's why Ben, <laughs> that's, why, that's why Ben, <laughs> he just said, I don't do that. I just want to make sure we're all clear. This is a hypothetical situation. You know, such and such person, you know, they've been serving this ministry for 45 years. You've only been here for two. How can you go out and minister? So, what I, like I said, I understand that it's important to be taught. It's important to be submitted. It's important to learn. But that doesn't mean you have nothing to offer anyone. Because you know what you do have? You have the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit inside you is beyond you. If you're going to write anything down, you should write that down. The Holy Spirit inside you is beyond you. What I mean is he's not limited by your ability. And thank God he's not. He's not limited by your lived experience. He's not limited by your hurts or your pains or your, your shortcomings or, or the things you do well. He's not limited even by you in your best case scenario. Straight A student, valedictorian, he's not limited by that anyways. Because how many you know, the, the, the Bible actually says the smarts, this is the Micah version, the smarts of this world are idiocy compared to the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So, so the Holy Spirit, and thank God, he's not limited by our understanding. But he has, and it, when we begin to, if, if I, I'm going to jump back into relationship just slightly and then pull back out. If we can understand how to be in relationship with him, we can have access to knowledge and understanding that we don't actually have to learn. Let me be clear. He will lead you to do something in the Holy Spirit because you're in relationship. You know his voice. You know what it sounds like when he says to do something and another voice you won't follow. You'll move in action and unction of the Holy Spirit. And when that whole situation is done, you'll step back and go, what the heck just happened? How was this able to happen? Do you have the ability outside of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on someone and they get healed? No. 
How do they get healed? By the Holy Spirit living inside of you. This is what I'm talking about, right? And it can, it can be everything from raising someone from the dead, healing someone from leprosy, he, you know, someone getting healed from cancer, down to you giving one word of encouragement that changes someone's afternoon. All of it is something you don't have. I, I wish that we could become more aware of what our lives would be outside of the Holy Spirit. One of my spiritual leaders told a story about this one day. He had been teaching in a Bible college for many years. And he said he was having a conversation with the Lord about this. And he said, you know, how, you know I, I want to be more aware. And so the Holy Spirit lifted off of him for like two or three days. He said he's written music all his life. And he said he couldn't remember how the song went. He sat down at the piano to try to play and he didn't even know where to put his hands. The Holy Spirit's the one who taught him how to play the piano in the first place. He went up to, to try to teach in Bible school, and he said, I couldn't even chain two verses together to make sense, and he'd been doing it for years. Yeah. And after a few days, the Holy Spirit came back on him, and he said, I became so aware of how much the Holy Spirit is in and uses my life. And we need to become more aware of this, and we need, this is what we need to press into in relationship. And, and what, what will happen is God will use earthly assignments to teach you spiritual principles. Does that make sense? He will call you to jobs. He will call you to places to serve, to volunteer. He will call you to things that some Christians would say are persecution. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's not real persecution. Just because your boss isn't a believer, it's not real persecution. Go, go hang out. Go spend some time in India where they burn your house down and chop your head off for being a believer. And then come back here and complain about how Starbucks doesn't say Merry Christmas anymore. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right? That's all I'm going to say. Nope, that's all I'm going to say. Sorry. We'll get off that. We'll get off that. Sorry, Lord. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have no excuse. But what will happen is, is God will use earthly position to teach you spiritual principles. You don't always get to work for the best people. You don't always get to work in the position that fits your abilities the best. You, you, the, the Lord will work things out, and if you're obedient, you will find yourself having to rely on Him more than ever. Does that make sense? Because He wants to, he wants to put you in a position that best help you to be in relationship with Him, that requires faith, that requires trust. If you have all the knowledge and all the understanding in a certain subject, you're not having faith in God. You're trusting in your ability. Now, I'm not saying it's bad. Sometimes the Lord will put you in an exact position that fits your personality perfectly. But the reason you're there is the people that you work with. So it's not you're, not, you're not standing in faith to just do your job every day, but you're standing in faith to be a light to those people around you because you're the light. You know that God could send you to a company that is dark and he wants you to be a light in that dark company? God will send you to a place that needs to be reached, that hasn't been reached before. And so you have all the ability in the world to do it on the natural side, but on the spiritual side, you're trusting and relying on the Holy Spirit every day to give you what to say and how to say it. I've worked at some places that if you said the wrong thing, it was going to be a bad day for you. I've worked for some people who weren't clinically diagnosed, but probably should have been. 
I'm not being mean. I'm just speaking matter-of-factly. So I've worked for some people where if you just say the wrong thing, everyone's having a bad day. So you need the Holy Spirit. Your, mil your ministry is developed in your industry. The tools and anointing that are needed in ministry come through being where God called you and submitting to where he told you. By the way, we're going to talk a lot about submitting in this section. It comes with it. It comes with it. The ministry is developed in your industry. God will call you to a place and put you in positions that will stretch your faith because it will require you to trust on him to grow. Especially if you actually have ministry on your heart. Like if you feel called to one day, I don't know what it looks like, I'm, I'm going to be in ministry, God's going to call you to some earthly places that don't make sense. God, shouldn't I be going to Bible school? Shouldn't I be doing this thing? Yeah, you might need to, but you probably got a whole host of other things you got to get first. A whole reason. And what happens is we're caught between what makes sense and what he wants us to do. For instance... Could God lead you to take a lesser-paying job? Absolutely. Does that make sense? No. But could he do it? Absolutely. But what happens is we override the relationship portion, or we override that because we don't have the greatest relationship, maybe, hypothetically. And so you do the thing that makes the most sense. And maybe you have people around you who have your best interest in heart. Well, Micah, it would make more sense for you. It's literally double the money. You should go do that. That, that sounds like God to me. <laughs> Ever heard that? But what happens is you, you, you make that decision. You're making all, more money in the world than you've ever made, but your needs still aren't getting met, and you feel dissatisfied. Why would you feel dissatisfied? You're, you're making great money. They provided a car. They provided this thing. You, you, you don't have to pay for anything. You get two weeks paid vacation on day one. You got a 401k. You got benefits, you know, insurance for your dog. I actually worked at a company that did this. Why would you be dissatisfied? If you feel dissatisfied with your life, it's probably because you're not in God's path. It's as simple as that. A couple reasons for being dissatisfied. One of them is being unthankful. Mm -hmm. That's, right. That's a big one. But another one is probably not being where you're supposed to be. It's, you're probably in the wrong place. You're, you're doing things your way as opposed to doing them, things his way. This is we, we talked about this earlier in Matthew 11 where it says, Come to me if you're weary and downtrodden. I think dissatisfied would fit in fi perfectly fine there. And I will give you rest for your souls. Learn from me. I am meek and lowly. This is, it, it's a, he, says, he says, come up underneath. Take my yoke upon you, and I will give you rest for your souls. If you feel dissatisfied with your life, uh, Brother Hagen put it like this. He said it was like washing my feet with socks on. Yeah. It, it, it's something that I should be doing, but there's just something off. I, I feel like I'm doing the right thing, but it doesn't feel like it's the right thing. Everything on paper makes sense, but it still feels wrong. So what, what God will ask you to, what God is asking us to do is to trust Him. I, I was having a conversation with someone this week because the biggest thing that we get have hurdles over is money. 
If you just have all, it'd be really easy to follow the Lord if you had all the money in the world. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe some of you I would never see again. I'm not trying to be funny. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't have all the money in the world because maybe we would never see you again. You know what I'm saying? But that's usually the one that we have conflict over, especially when you get married and you start having kids and you have a house. Like the weight of responsibility is a lot heavier than you were when you were a kid, right? So you try to make the right decisions. And, and I was talking to someone this week, and, and they, uh, they're believing for God, and they're walking through some stuff, and the Lord's helping them believe in them. And, and, I, and I said, you know, I know that you would, if I asked you, you would say that you don't have the love of money. And I'll ask the same question to you. Do you guys have the love of money? You can answer that. No. no. I mean, we all hope it's no, right? <laughs> and I said, well, do you have trust in the things that money brings you? And that's the difference. It's easy to not be covetous of money. I don't want bags and bags of money. So we, we equate covetous of money. <laughs> Jenna says, I'll take some. <laughs> yeah. It's not, we, we mistake the love of money with covetous of money. And I realize how there's some similarities there. But what about just, let's not get into the riches. Let's just get into the comfort of money. What does it afford you? Well, it affords me a roof over my head. That sounds like God to me. That affords me a vehicle. Well, God doesn't want me to walk, right? He took a donkey, so I should at least have a vehicle. You know, my wife needs a vehicle too. That sounds like God to me. We probably should put our kids in the best schools. That, you know, that, that costs money, but that sounds like God to me. And, and we don't need to live in a shack because God doesn't want us living in a shack. Surely God doesn't want me suffering. He probably wants me to live in this nice house. Sure, it's going to cost more than what I've budgeted for, but... But that sounds like God to me. And so we've tied all of our funds up in things that make us feel comfortable. And we found trust in the things that money can buy. Now, you, you can sit there and say, I don't have a love of money. I don't covet money. I'm not thinking about money all the time. But do you have a comfort in it? And, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm not. I, I don't think it's bad to have good quality things. I think that's godly. But how, how are you getting them and what do they mean to you? What do they mean to you? I'll give you an example, okay? Let's play a hypothetical game, okay? I'm going to take all the things that you have, your car, the place you live, your kids, your wife, I'm not, if it's not for me, just hypothetical. Okay, let's, don't be weird. Your dog, and it's just going to be you and nothing. How are you feeling? Not good. I think that's a good, honest answer, Jenna. Not great. Do you question God? I'm not, I'm not about to tell you God's going to ask you to give all your stuff up. That's not what I'm about to tell you. But, but does it mean more to you than your relationship? Do you have greater trust in those things than your relationship with God. It's a, I, I'm not, I'm not ask, asking for a quick answer. I, I'm, I'm glad that you guys just start shouting out answers and are so confident because that means you're thinking about this. This is literally, it's, it's, I'm, in the cur I'm in the middle of a season of doing this and God's been working this in my life for five years. I, I could spend so much time sharing how God asked me to, to let someone rent my house for less money than I owed on it. And then told me to sell it to them. And then they 
kind of backed out of the deal and put us in a bad situation. And then I had to go live somewhere else. I lived in the basement with my in-laws for, for, it was supposed to be four weeks. It was six months. And after that, I moved to someone else's property where I was supposed to have these great opportunities. But then he literally had a mental issue and tried to attack me and tried to take my life. And then I had to go move in with my in-laws. I'm not saying it's bad, but it wasn't great. <laughs> not great. And I'm not saying we, they had a two-story house. They have three bedrooms in their house. And one of them is smaller than where Jesse's at in that room there. So I, I understand getting into uncomfortability. Actually, the Lord told me this. He said, Micah, if you can make uncomfortability or your new comfortable, I can take you to places that most men and women will never touch. And boy, has he made good on that promise. I'm not trying to say that you're going to be in pain in your life. I'm not trying to project a doom and gloom, but I'm just, I'm presenting a question. You're, we're sitting here saying, we want to fulfill the call that God has in our life, right? Who would raise your hand and say, I want to do this? We're still talking about this. I want to do, when I get to heaven, I want God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear him say. That was what wakes me up in the morning. I don't get up for coffee. I get up for the motivation that one day God is going to be pleased with what I've done here on the earth. I mean, I still drink a little coffee on the side, though. That's not a bad thing. And, and if you're sit, sitting here saying, I want to fulfill the call that God has on my life, know that it will cost you something. And the thing that it will cost you the most is the thing that you find most comfortable. Does that make sense? And if that's money or the things that money can afford you, guess what, brother or sister? He's going to ask you to give it up. That doesn't mean you lose it necessarily. Sometimes it means you literally have to get over it. For me, it took leaving everything that I found comfortable. I lived in one of the best neighborhoods in Branson. I could let my kids run around outside, and I never worried about them. I had a great house. It wasn't huge, but it was great for me. Our payment was really, really low. It was, if everything that I could have dreamed of as a young man, thinking about being dad, I was walking in it. I had a great job. They gave me a car. They gave me a computer. They gave me a phone. They gave me benefits. They gave me insurance. Everything was coming up daisies for me. And then God said, I want you to quit. And I quit at, during the beginning of COVID. And the day that I quit, the company I worked for announced that no one had to travel anymore. They were just going to receive their pay for staying at home. You know who couldn't participate in that? This guy. And for a long time, I was like, God, what? this makes sense. I could, I could go do ministry for you and still get paid by this company. But you know where my trust would have been? Like I said, I'm, not, I'm, I'm hoping that you can learn this without having to go through what I've been through. My prayer is that you get so close to Jesus that you love nothing else as much as you love him. However, if you're believing for this, know that God is going to ask you for things and put you in situations. You can't just formulate a plan and ask God to bless it. That's not how it works. God, I want to be a TV evangelist. Make it happen. <laughs> I want to lead the largest ministry in the United States. Get her done. <laughs> you know, I want, to be, I want to be a minister, but just on like TikTok and stuff. 
That's not how it works. You can't just formulate a plan and ask God to bless it. You have to surrender your plans to the Lord and ask Him what He wants you to do and how He wants you to do it. The two examples we have in the Bible of, of, of what Jesus called great faith, He said it, you know how many times He said it? When He said, you have great faith. He told people, your faith has made you full, or your faith did this. But he said, he did say it, you have great faith. Do you know how many times he said it? I'll tell you. He said it twice. In all of the Bible, he only, he only, Jesus only said he experienced great faith. So you have faith, and you have great faith. He only said he experienced it twice. Two times in all of the Bible where Jesus said he experienced great faith. Do you want to know where they are? The first one is a Syrophoenician woman. I believe I said that correctly. Now, the Syrophoenicians, I'm gonna, that's the last time I'm going to say that, they were not Jewish people. They were a tribe of people who lived, yep, that's a good amen. They were a tribe of people who lived in and around Israel. And this woman came to Jesus and she said, basically, help me, Lord. And he said, I'm not called to you. I'm not, I'm not supposed to do this. And then he basically called her a dog. And then her response was, you're right. However, don't the dogs eat from the crumbs that the children drop? This woman, by humbling her... How many of you, when someone calls you a dog to your face, you say, oh, you're right? That's not exactly the response that invokes. You know what? <laughs> I am a dog. She's, he, now, he, he said... You're a dog. And she said, you're right. However, even the dogs eat from the crumbs that the children's drop. She bypassed a covenant and got the blessing because of her humility. The second one was a centurion soldier. And he had, he had someone that was that, a servant that worked for him. And he came to Jesus and said, Lord, my servant is ill and I want you to heal him. And Jesus said, well, I'll go with you. And he said, no, I am not worthy that you would come into my home. Now, I want to point something out here. The centurion was already a man of stature. He had men that were underneath him, so he had a pretty nice home. In fact, someone would say that he is on the upper echelons of society in Rome. But why would he say, I don't deserve that Jesus would come into my home? Because he had a recognition of who Jesus was and was aware of how little his wealth and his ability compared to Jesus. So he said, I'm not worthy that you come into my home. If you say the word, I know it will be done. He said, I am a man who's underneath authority. Therefore, I say go and they go. He's saying, I'm under authority so I can exercise authority. If I say go, the people that are under me go. If I say stay, they stay. And Jesus said, you have great faith. Those are the two times. Something I want to show both instances. Both instances started with humility. And, and the centurion soldier brought another view of submission into this. Because he said, I am under authority, therefore I get to exercise authority. Micah, I thought we were talking about the call. We are. Stay with me. How are you going to operate properly in the call that God has for your life if you're not under the authority he has called you to? Okay, I'll take it one further. How do you exercise authority if you're not under authority? You can't. You can't. 
Because you don't have any authority in your own, in your own self. I, 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 how do you... Okay. James 4.7 says what? Submit to God. Then what? Can you resist the devil without submitting to God? Why? Because the devil understands authority better than you do. The centurion soldier brings this out and saying, he, he said, I'm a man underneath authority. He didn't say, when they tell me to go, I go. When they tell me to stay, I stay. He said, I'm under authority, therefore I get to exercise authority. Because of being under authority. The reason why you can, in James 4, 7, where it says, submit to God, resist the devil, is because submission is required first. Because the, um, I want you to picture a, a spine, okay? At the top of that spine is these two bones called the atlas, or one or two bones. It's this tiny little bone, and if it gets messed up, it can throw your whole nervous system off, right? And so the communication from the brain can be hindered by that. In order for your body to work in peak capacity, your spine needs to be perfectly aligned in position from top to bottom, okay? So this is how I want you to think of authority, okay? God is at the top. You're somewhere underneath, right? There's, it's probably not God and then you, okay? I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Lest you've been submitted to someone for a lot of years and the person you were submitted to went to heaven, then it might be that way. But you're called to submit to men and women here on earth, okay? I can give you three generations on either side of the ministry that I've been underneath of who they're submitted to and who they're submitted to and who they've been submitted to. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just telling you how God will align things. So if you want to take authority over the devil and you want to bind him up and, 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 and tell him he can't do anything, you have to put yourself in a position of submission underneath where God has called you to. This is in the call that God has called you to. Does that make sense? God will call you to a place and ask you to submit to that place. And in that place is the authority you need to walk out the call that God has for you. I'm not talking in circles. I'm talking, I'm talking biblical principles. If you desire rest for your souls, you will find that in submission and, and, and trusting and sitting yourself underneath Jesus. That's what he said in Matthew 11. Come to me, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly. He said, look at me. Question. Did Jesus do what he wanted to do? You sure? How do we know that? He said, I only do what I see the Father do. I'll give you another example. When he was in the garden before he was taken, what was his ask to the, to the Father? What did he say? He said, if there's a way that this cup could pass, which means what? He thought about it. He thought of another way. Now, was it right? Was it good? Clearly not. He said, if there's a way that this cup can pass from me, but he said, but your will be done. And he sweat blood out of his pores because he was in so much eternal stress, which means he probably could think of 10. What, what would he think would have happened if the Lord said, actually, Jesus, what did you have in mind? Jesus would have been able to rattle one or two ideas right off there. I'm, I, I'm not demeaning who he was. I'm elevating what he did. 
He had another will. Clearly he did, otherwise he wouldn't have asked. But Jesus didn't just get to do anything he wanted to do. He literally only did what God told him to do up until his death. And he says, learn from me. That's what Jesus said. Look at me, for I'm meek, I'm lowly. Lowly of heart, which means humble. Learn from me. You can only get to a place of dissatisfaction and burnout in disobedience. Got real quiet. <laughs> if you feel dissatisfied with your life or you feel like you've hit your wits ends or you feel burnt out, it's probably because you missed it somewhere. You're in disobedience because God promised us rest. Now, I'm not trying to call anyone out. I'm not trying to say, no, no, bad, bad, bad. I'm just saying, take an account. And if you find yourself in a position, figure out how to get back where you're supposed to get. And the first step is always humbling yourself. A big way that God, oh man, it's 12 o'clock already. I'll say this and maybe we'll save the rest for next week. One of the main ways that God teaches us this is through men and women. He will call you to ministers and ministries that are imperfect because there's no such thing as a perfect one. He will call you to leaders and elders who are not quote unquote qualified to be in that position. He will call you to things in the road. You'll work for people who are less qualified than you. You'll work around and under things that you know more and do more. Because we need to learn humility and submission. He didn't say submit to those that are qualified. He said submit to who I've called you to. It's in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. I'll just give you quick references. You can write these down and look for them yourself for the sake of time. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember in this remember those who are over you in authority. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Submit to those above you and be subject to them. And it says, For they will give an account for your souls. And it basically says, Let them do this with joy and not pain. Meaning, don't be hard on them. You're called to them. Humble yourself. Submit to them. And in, in Hebrews 13, 24, it says, salute those in authority over you, which means a show of respect. I, the way that I put it is this. When God, a good example is in ministry. So when we're here at the church, Ben submits to me. But you know what we do when we're out hanging out? We're, we're just hanging out. Ben, I'm not a pastor to Ben when we're just like at the movie theater. right? I don't say, Ben, go get me a popcorn. <laughs> now, he probably would. But that would be me making an abuse of that. Does that make sense? Now, if we're out at a movie theater at a church function and I need Ben to pick up 10 popcorns for the amount of people we're ministering to, Ben would do that. But do you understand? There's, there's a proper order to do things. When we go and minister for Elijah Merle in his Spirit Wind conferences, I'm older than Elijah. I've technically been doing this quote-unquote longer than he has. None of that matters. I submit to him. When Elijah comes into this church that I'm a pastor of to run his conference. You know who's in charge? Elijah. Because it's a proper position of authority. This is what God will call you to do. He will call you to perfect men, to in, well, not perfect. He will call you to imperfect men and even more unperfect men. 
He will put you in situations that won't always make you feel comfortable, and you are still required to submit and respect and be faithful to the position that God has called you. This is why I said faithfulness is a shortcut. In, in the assignment that God has for your life, it will, it will, I will promise you, speaking practically, it will most likely look different than what you thought it was going to look like. I've never met someone who was like, yep, God worked it out exactly the way I thought it was going to work out. No, never happened. Because he, he goes beyond our expectations. He pushes us and he prods us and he squeezes us and he molds us and he helps us to become the thing that God has asked you to become. But what happens to that, what happens in that season is a greater increase of his anointing. I have seen things in my life this past year that I, I had never seen before and it has nothing to do with me. And I promise I'm not bragging on myself. I just desire to find more ways to humble myself. I actually ask the Lord for this. That's why Elijah came into my life. I asked the Lord, Lord, I need someone to submit to. And the Lord, he said, he, he, the Lord brought me Elijah. That, that's a blessing to me. I, that's a blessing and an honor to me. And we need to find ways to do this. If The first thing is figure out two things. One, if you're supposed to work where and go there and be faithful. Two, what ministry has God called me to and be faithful to it? Don't just, don't just go and, and, and sit. Go and, and serve. And I'm not saying don't be extreme. Just within reason. Follow the Holy Spirit. If they ask you to clean toilets, clean toilets. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm God called me to pulpit ministry. No. He called you the porcelain ministry. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you're going to start. You may end up in the pulpit, but you got to start with the porcelain. Okay, that's how this works. There's a different throne you need to be managing, if you will. I'm sorry, that's a really bad joke. Just be, be diligent. Go ahead, Ben. Be diligent to where God has called you. Be faithful to where he has called you because there is a greater call in your life than just, just living, just existing, just breathing and taking up oxygen. There's a greater call for you, and it looks different than what you think it's going to be. And it, Maybe it's full-time ministry, maybe it's full-time work, maybe it's a lawyer, doctor, evangelist, whatever. But there's a call that God has for you, and His desire is that you would fulfill and walk in that call. And that's my heart. I believe that's why God has had us sit on this subject for so long, is because He's going to start asking things of you. He's going to start asking you, hey, why don't you do this thing? Why don't you give up this thing? Why don't you walk into this thing? Why don't you submit here? Why don't you go there? Just be obedient to go and do whatever God has asked you to do. Because you can never humble yourself too much. You can never oversubmit yourself. Right? Does that make sense? Oh, I submitted too much on that one. Got a little ahead of myself. If you're obedient to the Holy Spirit and you go where God has called you to do, you're in relationship with Him, there's no opportunity for abuse of authority. Because you're not looking to a man or a woman, you're looking to the Holy Spirit. And you're submitting through the Holy Spirit to a man or a woman. Amen? Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook.